2: All right. Everybody ready? Yep.
3: I'm ready. Are you ready? Sure. Adam? Adam, are you ready? Yeah, Bonnie, I'm
2: feeling good. Yeah. Why? Do I not sound ready? I'm feeling good. No, I'm feeling good. Okay. I'm glad we touched base on this, Bonnie. Did you read
3: your newspaper? Did you read your newspaper today?
2: I don't... You mean like a physical newspaper?
3: Okay, what doesn't have to be a physical newspaper. I was just wondering if you're up to date in case you and Paula end up talking about something current.
2: Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm up to date, Bonnie.
3: Huh? Thanks for checking okay. in. Well, I'm glad to know you're prepared for the
2: show. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. Here we go. Yeah. Live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, our book club's exploration of eat, pray, love got us thinking, is it also possible to talk about books we actually like? Well, strap in, muggles. We're talking to Emory University's Dr. Adrian Ivy, who teaches a course on the Harry Potter novels. Remember the one where Hermione goes on a journey of self-discovery by feasting on Italian food and Brazilian men? <laughs> Us neither, because it didn't happen, thank God. And speaking of self-absorption, let's talk about ourselves. How would you describe your favorite podcast? We've got a new batch of show descriptions. I'm Adam Felber. This show's Hermione, obsessively poring over podcast lore to formulate the exact right mixture of information and structure that will allow the magic to happen. And now, please welcome the human equivalent of a bag of Bernie Bot's Every Flavor Beans, a source of localized chaos that even (laughs) the Weasleys would consider their red-headed stepchild. It's Paula Poundstone. Welcome, Paula. Hey, how are
0: you? It's so lovely to be with you. Not really with you. Yeah. Yeah, not Uh, really with you. Hey! Uh, And by the way, thanks to tonight's house band, returning champ and nobody, Casey Bozell on the violin. Thank you, Casey. It sounds fabulous.
2: It does. That's some great fiddling there, Casey. All right, Paula Poundstone, what is new?
0: You know, I did a a, 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 a road job uh, over the weekend, and um, there have been a lot of flight delays so far in my travels. Largely, I think because of um, climate change, there's been an unusual amount of, you know, had to stay the night in the connecting city because you couldn't get there because of a storm of some sort. I've never had that much of this ever before. Um, But then on the weekend, our plane couldn't take off because there's a new rule. I don't know if you know this, but with the FAA, there has to be two assholes on every flight. (laughs)
4: Yeah, yeah, that's a good regulation.
0: And so they had to ask for volunteers. And I said that, I, you know, I raised my hand and I said, I'm not wearing this mask and I want off this plane. And then they thanked me and I just sat back down again. And we were able to take off. <laughs> that's,
2: that's great. You know, that's as important as sitting on an exit row nowadays.
0: Yeah, you have to be willing to be an asshole if they need you to. Right. Because there's not two you know, two assholes that just present themselves already. So that was good. I, I, I did. I felt really good about that. It was a lot easier to do than get someone, you know, off in an emergency.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the asshole, the asshole <laughs> procedure, it all fits on one side of one of those laminated cards.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it's very convenient. Hey, Um. Y- you know what? It's time for Paula. I, I just want to. I want to rush ahead to our to our next little segment because I'm so excited about a special guest we have here.
0: Oh, oh, yes, uh, yes, we have <laughs> we have Ken with us. Uh, yeah, it's Ken Lizebnik to, hey, to, to join. Hi. Our, yay! Yeah. To join okay. our book club producer. Slash writer on our on our show for years now. Ken Lizabnik, who's been away on, uh, well, a profitable assignment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, if I had one, I'd take it, too. I just
5: want you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm doing great. And I, I know that sometimes there's this issue of where I actually am. I can tell you I am in Los Angeles at least Ooh. for the next two weeks. And then I head east. See how vague he is? Do you
0: see? I wow. head east. Do you see how he does that? He just, right. cause remember when he used to always say, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn. And <laughs> never been to Brooklyn. Brooklyn. No, yeah. he wasn't there. He doesn't even know who <laughs> Betty Smith is.
5: I, I, did, did, I texted to Tony Anita Hull my photo of the Hot Dog King at a block away from where I live in Brooklyn. Was this not proof enough?
2: Oh, you can't fake that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, unfakeable no, for sure. Yeah, that's
5: pretty. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um,
0: uh, did you send her your fake vaccine card as well? Go ahead, send that <laughs> along.
2: <laughs> well, Ken, uh, you're back for a specific purpose right now, and that is that we're going to go to our book club, and you've caught up with us. You've done some reading for our book club, right? Yes, I have. All right, then let me just call it to order. Let me just call it to order. Yes, I, I am. Yes. I'm the because you're the president of the book club, uh, so if you have the gavel, you. Can take it, but I've been president pro tem in your absence.
5: Yes, I, I, I think I mailed my gavel to you. I remember. Oh, okay. Then I'll, then I'll call it to order. All right. I am calling
2: the uh, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone book club to order. This is a uh, week two of our exploration of Eat, Play, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, Paula, do you want to kick us off, or do you want us to uh, pass it right over to Ken?
0: Oh, I think we should start with Ken in in honor of his uh, uh, of his presence today.
2: Yeah. Yeah, oh, we well, read chapter six through
5: fifteen of Eat Pray Love. Take it away Ken Lizebnik. Well, you know what struck me was the amazing similarity between the two books that the book club has tackled so far, Moby Dick <laughs> and Eat Pray Love. <laughs> and I'm I'm actually order, quite order. Serious I'll about, allow it. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually quite serious about this because think about it. Each is a book about a quest. And each narrator begins deeply depressed in New England. You know, um, uh, Ishmael is, whenever it is a damp, drizzly November in my soul, and he has to get to sea to get out of his depression. And likewise, Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, deeply depressed by the failure of her marriage, and feels like she has to track across oceans in search of happiness. So they're both kind of these big quest books. Wow. Um, It starts with Call Me Liz. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I would also say that, that each book contains extraneous material that's not really pertinent to the story, whether it's a description <laughs> of whaling or a description of food in Italy, um, and that it well. kind of each book appeals to this basic American love of the exotic. You know, we, we feel as Americans that we could only break away from society's expectations, you know, like having children in Elizabeth Gilbert's case, or I mean, Ishmael just wants to get out of the rut, um, right. that there is something deeper and more real than ordinary American life, but it, you have to leave America to find it. So, congratulations. Wow. I'm not, I think, was it Tony Anita Hull who selected "Deep Pray, Love? Because <laughs> clearly, yeah. she, she had a wow. theme going.
2: I feel like you're ennobling that book a little more, maybe than it deserves. I mean, well, although I, there is, I, I, if I can draw another parallel, there is that that you know obsessive quest to catch the great white male.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, everybody. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's whip yeah. this around, Paula. Do you buy Ken Lizebnik's point here?
0: Um. Well, I mean, I see, I, I see his point. Um, I mean, if I th- yeah, I see his point about the quest, the validity of the quest, I would question in uh, <laughs> Eat, Pray, Love. Um, I found myself also thinking about Moby Dick while I was uh, listening to chapters uh, 5 through 15 of Eat, Pray, Love uh, because I found myself thinking if only I could be harpooned by someone right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Or I I thought stuff like, damn it, I wish I was in the blubber room. She was in a blubber room. Remember when she cried on the bathroom floor? She was in the blubber room. So Ken,
4: you're right. There are a lot of parallels.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
5: She seems to end up curled on the floor often, like weeping on the floor. Happens more than once.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised there's no story of some kind of fungal infection. Uh, Well, I haven't finished (laughs) the book,
5: but she's
2: bound to. Spoiler alert, Paula. Uh, Yeah,
0: because a lot, you know, walking around barefoot and then you lay with your face on the floor. There's got to be a uh, fungal infection there uh, of some sort. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, Well, anyways, I just, the, the, Ten chapters that I listened to um, really moved me. I uh, so far I'm loving it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just for for those of you who are not paying close attention, here's what happened in chapters uh, six through fifteen. Nothing. I guess she wrote a letter to God, (laughs) um, and she uh, (laughs) left for Italy. And decided to take Italian lessons, and then she tells us kind of interesting little anecdote about how the Italian language uh, was formalized. And that's it.
0: You found that little that little story about how the Italian language was formalized. You found that interesting.
2: I found it interesting enough to to look into it and see see if it was true.
5: You looked into Isn't, it to see if it was true. Yeah, and and huh. is Italian really like the language of Dante? Is that that actually is true? Ah. Uh, it's partly
2: true. It's, it's it's way more complicated than that. The way the, the way that she tells it, it makes it sound like, oh, they just picked up a copy of The Inferno and said, that's Italian. Let's speak it like it is from now on. And that's not really how it happened. Um, there was a lot more going on. But, um, okay. but at least there was a moment in that book where I was interested. So that's where I stand on it. Mm. Oh, I didn't have that moment. Um, you know, Tony
0: has read this book three times already, and so I'm tempted to, you know, go to her and find out what happens. But I'm just wondering if she ever brings up her uh, her jealousy of her sister, Melissa.
2: I you don't think <laughs> that's her sister. Who was You mean half, Melissa Gilbert half from half
0: pint Little House on the Prairie? On Little House on the Prairie, <laughs> yeah. I think that was probably a lot of, you know, she probably spent her life lying on the bathroom floor just crying over how how badly she wanted to... Uh, have a starring role <laughs> in a popular yeah. series. Tony, did you read
6: the Did you read the chapters? I did read the chapters. I read them this morning.
2: Oh, and boy. And what, what's your thought?
6: So I was thinking a lot about this because this is my third time reading it. Um, and as I expressed last week, it has different meaning for me now. Um, I feel like it does pick up when she... Like, I'm kind of excited that she's in Italy so we can at least hear about... Some of the people she meets there so it won't be so focused on her. But, you know, I think she has codependency issues and I think she needs therapy. I think she should have done that first <laughs> rather than go to Italy because she can't be alone.
0: hmm. Yeah.
6: If our listeners like the book, I want them to know that they that's OK, because everyone in the book club hates it. But I don't want, you know, <laughs> a nobody to feel shame and not come forward if they like the book. Oh, I, I, I don't, I don't I do. hate
0: it. I've come to love it, Tony. I love it. <laughs> oh yeah, <Paula? laughs> Yeah.
6: So I'm trying to be more now- positive about it. I'm trying to be a little bit more just, you know, going into it with an open mind and again. <laughs> that's all. That's what I was thinking about this morning. Listeners who like the book might be feeling shame. That's that's oh, what I geez. thought about all morning.
0: I hope. Oh my gosh! I hope no one's feeling shame over liking the book. Uh, yeah, I hope we haven't created. I hope we haven't added more shame to the world.
2: Um, I would hope not either. And I don't hate the book. I'm befuddled by it. I'm bemused as to why this would be so popular as of yet. <laughs> but but, um, but I hate, hate hates a strong word. I, I I thought that the most interesting part of the chapters we just read was her letter to God that her friend. Um, and just like everybody else in the book, her friend just wants to talk about her, about Elizabeth. And what her friend does is she coaches her to write a letter to God to kind of ask God to let her out of the divorce, and then has all her favorite people from history sign it. Yeah, not ringing it, not ringing a bell with anybody. No, <laughs> anybody. no, oh, it didn't did, I mean, did ring a bell. It, it,
6: just,
0: it was. Um, as much as I love the book um it was a, a level of self-involvement that uh was higher than the first five chapters
2: <laughs> it, it does well, seem that way and her friend who coached her her friend who does apparently doesn't have a life except to coach elizabeth on what to do with her life um is named iva which makes me think that that um liz didn't even bother to type the remaining letters of her name it was probably ivana or something <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh damn, Adam! You are savage, Adam Foeber. Savage.
2: <laughs> I'm the I'm the queen of mean, a Hall. Hey, let's go, go through the see me. Va- I'm sorry, can did, you say?
5: She- <laughs> well, she did say that she changed everybody's name except for the one guy who was a recovering drug addict, and he was okay yeah. with her using his name. Yeah, right. I mean, it is sort of. I think this, but this speaks to why the book is popular. Is that is that you read this and, and the message to you is, you know what? Everyone important in history is actually on your side. And that, you know, you are, <laughs> your choice for personal happiness is validated by Gandhi and Abraham Lincoln. And,
4: you know,
0: uh, Thomas
5: Edison. What? <laughs> yes.
0: Well, you know, um, You know, there's a lot of speculation now about uh, Lincoln's depression uh, when he was in the White House. And a lot of people thought it was because, well, the country was torn (laughs) apart by civil war. And also he lost a son while he lived in the White House. But it turns out it was um, Elizabeth's divorce.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, that's probably what did it.
0: Yeah, the other thing were just sort of gnats. They were just sort of, you know, fruit flies, bothersome, but not really causing deep depression. But his uh, just, you know, that's why he was anxious. In fact, he practically ripped the pen out of Gandhi's hand to sign (laughs) the letter.
2: I'm going to sign now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
5: (laughs) Make way. I did, by the way, I felt a little, felt a little bad for her ex-husband because in the preface, she sort of (laughs) said, well, you know, I'm not going to get into the details of my divorce because it's, you know, personal. And and she was very gracious about you'd only hear my side of it. But then when she details this acrimonious settlement that went through lawyers Her poor ex-husband sounded like, came off as a complete asshole who, you know, wanted the house. He wanted everything material that she had apparently earned through her own writing and the optioning of of, a story, you know, for a movie. So I I sort of thought, well, your preface says you're not going to get into the divorce, but you make it fairly clear what a jerk your husband was. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, she doesn't stint on that. Yeah.
3: I think this is the most insipid, Horrible, awful book. I refuse to read another word of it. I'm really wait, sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Order. Order. You, Bonnie, oh, you I'm cannot refuse. Yeah. I can't censure. help it that. I, I was trying to be quiet. You know what? <laughs> I move that we stop reading this book.
2: Oh, Absolutely not. This is against I'm all the rules. Okay. I, I, move, I move to censure Bonnie Burns. Are there any other I votes? I can't
3: be censured for moving something. I'm just moving. No.
2: No. You just flat uh, out know refuse to read. <laughs> you will and read this book, Bonnie Barnes.
3: Did, Bonnie, <laughs>
0: did you even make did you even make a suggestion of a book for us to read?
3: <laughs> exactly. Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: because that's why I'm moving. And an all-encompassing I'm moving, silence stop oozes reading. from the
2: Simi Valley. <laughs> I'm moving
3: we stop reading this piece of shit book and I agree. I didn't make an effort to bring in a good title, and I'll work harder to do that. I couldn't... Can we please stop reading this? It's so... (laughs) No! (laughs) Bonnie,
2: this is a book club. We read books. We're we're just a few pages into this one. You're out of order, Bonnie Burns. (laughs) Adam. Yes. Adam, answer the phone. what (laughs) (laughs) what don't i have enough on my plate right now (laughs) oh my god um all right hello oh hello hello
0: hello adam can you hear me mac lapierre here
2: oh yeah hi mac uh we haven't heard from you in quite a while
0: well, there's so much going on here. I, I, I don't always have time to call. I, I always, I'm always thinking about you, though. And I, I do listen to the podcast. My wife has almost finished embroidering word for word the entire interview you did a while back with the cheesemonger.
2: Wow, that's, that's, that's a lot of work, Mac.
0: No, it's mostly cross-stitch. We love the show, though. And you, I know you don't like to toot your own horn, so I'll gladly do it for you. You are on every show.
2: Uh, thanks, Mac, but that's not really what I would consider tooting my horn. That would be, uh...
0: You are. You're on
2: every show. Well, um, thank you, Mac, I guess. Well, it's no problem. Listen, Mac. We're just in the middle of our book club meeting right now, so if you don't mind, uh, we're gonna Gosh kind of get back darn to that. It. And-
0: that's that's what I called for. I wanted oh. to tell you how much I am enjoying this Eat, Pray, Love book. The <laughs> author had really been through it. She wanted out of her marriage, and she cried on her bathroom floor. What what a story! What an ordeal! Mm. Then the divorce was, I guess, taking quite a while, and of course she wanted to learn Italian, but the darn divorce kept going on and on.
4: Yeah, Oh it did. my
0: gosh. As a reader, I said to myself, what's going to happen next? So many surprises. <laughs> she gets Muhammad Ali and Michael J. Fox to sign a petition to God to speed up her divorce. I didn't see that coming. You, you'd think they had problems of their own. I mean, Ollie's Dead. It's a wonderful book. All right. I've had my say. I got to go.
2: Um, g- good to hear from you, Mac.
0: Say <laughs> <laughs> with cheese, Adam.
2: Oh, it with good cheese. to hear from you, Mac. No, I'm kidding. Good to hear from you, Mac and Cheese. Thanks for calling. Wow. Boy, well, uh, there. the, There's a fan See? who apparently wasn't yeah. intimidated by our vitriol.
0: Exactly. It doesn't <laughs> seem like that listener felt shame. Uh,
2: no. Mac, mac and cheese
0: seems to really love it.
2: Yeah, well, that makes one of us. And uh, with that, I'm going to, and Bonnie, you're, you're going to read next week. Uh, next week, let's do the next 10 chapters. And with that, I am calling Book Club to a close. Ba Baba Do Run run Ba Do Run run
3: Ba Baba ba, do, ba, ba, do run Run. We're coming to a close. Ba ba do run
2: run. Wow. Uh, buddy, that might be your first closing credits uh theme song ever. That's uh that's a new look for you. Um thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, um that was, b- that b- was b- fantastic. B- you be Adam, like calgon and take me away. Do you have a word?
0: I have a word. It's mumpsimus. It's a noun that means a traditional custom or notion adhered to although shown to be unreasonable. Here, I'll use it in a sentence. Coming in from the rain so you won't get sick is a mumpsimus. It might be helpful to use it in a family setting. How was school today, son? It's Saturday, mom. Remember, Scott and I were shooting hoops and you asked us to stop because the ball kept hitting the side of the house at 10 in the morning? Yes, I do remember. I thought it was some sort of independent study. Anyway, drink your milk so you can get strong to be a professional basketball player. That's a mumpsimus, Mom. You don't have to drink (laughs) milk to get strong. The sole purpose of milk in nature is to fatten up a calf. A mum what? What did you call your mother? A mumpsimus is a traditional custom or notion adhered to, although shown to be unreasonable. A person who adheres to a mumpsimus is also a mumpsimus. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> what, young man, you won't call your mother a mumps anything. Now pass me that broccoli with cheese sauce and drink your mumpsumo. <laughs> 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 tell you, it's a valuable hey, word, yeah. and I, I, I wish I could remember it. I, you know what? I'm going to put it right into the old vocabulary
2: song. Well, there's an idea.
0: This week's word is mumpsimus. It's a noun that means a traditional customer notion adhered to, although shown to be unreasonable. No one's mean at Christmas time because it's unseasonable. Last week's word was sucker. It's a noun that means help given to someone who's suffering or in difficulty. A fine assist from Jimmy McNulty. The week before that, the word was pugnacious. It's an adjective that means eager to argue quarrel, or fight. I'll kick your ass for flying a kite. Going back before that, the word was intrepid. It's an adjective that means not afraid of danger or difficulty, brave or bold. I'm walking into this cave even though there are wolverines in here, I'm told. And not long ago, the word was doler. It's a noun that means a state of great sorrow or distress. Lucy and Ethel stopped being friends in the episode when they bought the same dress. And not long ago, the word was "encomium." It's a noun that means a speech or piece of writing, praising someone or something. In conclusion, I would like to reiterate, no one in the entire world has ever made such a fine vegan buffalo wing. Let's never forget gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody, James Hyder, corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumble medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do.
2: <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, yeah there
0: cool. it is. Encore! encore. Oh my gosh.
2: Wow, Paula. Um, <laughs> I, I know, I it's something, say, isn't it? It is something. <laughs> it is. It is something. I'm not quite sure what it is. You know, what? I, th- I think I've alluded to this before, but I think your vocabulary song is becoming downright um, liturgical. <laughs> liturgical. It sounds more like an incantation or prayer, like you're being bat mitzvahed, uh, more than it does like a proper song. But uh, you know, it's it's very entertaining. <laughs> Thank you for the fake Hebrew, Bonnie Burns. Coming up, Kurt Vonnegut said, science is magic that works. Which, of course, is obvious with anyone familiar with Einstein's theory of general rabbitivity. We'll start our first year at Hogwarts next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me.
0: Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out
2: the middleman. That's quidscom slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. mattress batch in under two minutes.
0: You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, Uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that?
2: Uh, You know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. YOU'RE <laughs>
0: On this day in unremarkable history, Bob Dylan's Department of Motor Vehicles written test administrator said, I guess blowing in the wind isn't the answer to everything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. Thank you. House band Casey Bozell returning on our violin. Hey, Paula, you and I have been talking uh, lately that you've been reading this book. Yes,
0: I'm, I'm reading I Alone Can Fix It. And, you know, it, it is a page-turner. But uh-huh. because I read, uh, you know, I read at night before I go, to, you know, in bed. And I have this thing where I fall asleep while I'm reading. And then I begin talking. Oh. And then I wake myself <laughs> up talking as if I'm reading. And the only reason that I know that's what I'm doing is because when my kids were little— and I would read to them the whole Harry Potter series twice aloud. Um, when I would read to them at night, I would fall asleep reading uh-huh. and continue to talk as if I were reading. And then the kids would notice that it didn't seem to be in the story. And they'd go, Mom, Mom. <laughs> okay, one time I was reading and we had a, a, our elementary school maintenance guy. His name was Stan. Stan. And he was very nice to our family. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm reading along, you know, Harry Potter, Hermione, Harry Potter, Hermione. Then I said, poor Stan. And (laughs) the kids were like, well, that's not part. Mom, mom. Yeah, that's how I know that I do that. I have such fond memories of reading aloud to my kids at all, um, but certainly reading aloud the Harry Potter books.
2: Oh, well, that is one thing we share in common is that, is that, I'm a huge fan of the Harry Potter books too, and I've read some of them to my kids. And my mom used to mail me and my sister copies as the books came out. It was all of you and I have that very much in common. But Paula, did you ever want to know more about the Harry Potter universe? I would love to know more about the Harry Potter universe. (laughs) Well, by amazing happenstance, we have an expert in that subject right here. Wait a minute. That's kind of magical, right there. It sure is. Dr. Adrian Ivey is an associate professor of English at Emory University's Oxford College. She directs the writing program and teaches writing and literature, including the course Literary Criticism, Philosophy, and the Harry Potter Phenomenon. Please welcome Dr. Adrian Ivey.
3: Yay! Hi. Hi. Hey. Welcome. Thanks.
0: Thank you so much for being with us. I have not ever heard of a Harry Potter course before. What motivated you to
1: create a course about the Harry Potter series? Well, a lot of it is, is what you and Adam said. I, I loved it. But also, um, I approach literature in all of my classes as rhetoric, so as an act of communication so it's important to me that when my students read, they try to understand what the author's saying to them, because authors often make ethical or philosophical arguments in their work. And I think Rowling makes some of the most compelling and complex arguments about human nature, human ethics, um, and especially considering her intended audience was young adults, the complexity of the ethical arguments she makes are really great.
2: So... I- Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, Give me an example of of some of the ethical arguments that she's making. What is she saying to us?
1: Well, you know, the the dominant theme in it is the Christian argument, right? Because um, after she finished the seventh book, she finally admitted that Harry was a Christ figure. Um, But the main argument there is that selfless love is more powerful than death. Um, But she also... Uses a lot of philosophy, so everything Dumbledore says could almost be taken directly from the Republic, from Plato's Republic. Adrian, what was the quote? It is our choices, Harry.
0: Far more than when Dumbledore is explaining to Harry why the Sorting Hat, yeah, uh, said that he should be in Slytherin, and Harry was so worried about it. And Dumbledore had this great line that he said that I actually I put it on a, a sign in my
1: kid's room. Because uh, it's so great, it's our choices far more than our abilities that determine who we are. Yeah. Oh
0: gosh, wow, I love that. Um, now, my high school English teacher told me that she taught a play, uh, the play, the play, A Thousand Clowns, um, and she taught it every few years, and the students as a whole would have different reactions to the main character Murray in different years. Um, have you been teaching this course long enough? to find different interpretations of the literature based on the year?
1: Yeah, I have. I wouldn't say it's based on the year, but I've been teaching it since 2009. So the first few years I taught it, I was teaching it to the millennials. And these were the the kids who grew up with Harry Potter. So when the first book came out, they were 12. Um, and so they de- waited for each book, devoured each book, and they... They agreed pretty much with what Rowling was trying to get them to believe. So, mm-hmm. you know, Rowling's obviously trying to get us to like Harry, hate uh, Voldemort, like Dumbledore, all of that, and and so they tended they tended to follow along with that. But now I'm teaching Gen Z, the Zoomers, and they aren't as accepting of as of what Rowling's vision is or was. Really? As the millennials
2: were. What's their objection or what's their, um, what aren't they connecting to?
1: Well, it's, it, there are numerous objections and they are connecting. I'm not saying they're not connecting because they love Harry Potter as much as, as the generation before them. But they're also more critical too. So um, my daughter is one of them. She's a sophomore. She's actually going to be in my class. <laughs> and she and I argue a lot. And one of the characters they argue the most about is Snape. Because, you know, obviously by the end of the series, you realize Snape was actually a hero all along. That he, you know, started out bad, but he became this great sacrificial character who was really trying to help Harry all along and defeat Voldemort. The, the Zoomers don't accept that. <laughs> they don't like that he has a redemption arc. They think that um, all the abuse he does of children, what he does with Voldemort and what he does later doesn't take away or undo his abuse of children.
2: He does kind of torment kids.
1: He does torment kids. He does. And he's, you know, he's horrible to not just Harry, but Hermione and Neville who never did anything to anybody. And, you know, I don't know how much of that was an act for Snake, but, but these students aren't buying that he that he deserves hero status, actually. And then Dumbledore's another one. Um, Dumbledore lets kids go into the woods and like he he's not the person you want watching your kids, actually, a lot of times. like he disappears right when the most trouble happens and and he he's got these kids fighting his battles for him. At least this is the argument. Um, the students that I have now have made. Wow.
0: Honestly, I never even thought about that. And here you have these students that are thinking about that. I I like to think that just because of my age that that I had sort of deeper thoughts than a bunch of college kids, but that doesn't seem to be true at all based on what you're
1: saying. (laughs) No, they have Um, some pretty deep thoughts. They surprise me a lot.
2: But I got to say, the Zoomers, you know, if they got their, you know, not their wish, but if they if they got what they were asking for, which was a Snape that did that was really nice and never treated kids badly and a Dumbledore that made sure the kids never got into any trouble. Those books would suck.
1: They would. would. Yeah, they would. Well, what the Zoomers have done and and not just Zoomers, I guess uh, millennials have done this, too, is that they've sort of rewritten. They've taken the story away from Rowling and rewritten it. So. Um, a lot of what we talk about once we get through all the novels and talk about what's actually in them, uh, we actually read some fan fiction and talk about the ways that fan fiction writers take the story and make it what they want it to be. Um, and so, yeah, it's fascinating what they've done. Like they, they like to have different couples together. So, um, a popular couple is Sirius black and, and, uh, Remus Lupin.
2: Okay. (laughs)
1: And Malfoy and Harry is one. um, Sure. All right. Now they're just messing with
0: the balance of nature. That's not a good couple. Harry and Malfoy. No, it's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea.
2: What's Um, interesting about this fan fiction? And is it good?
1: Some of it's good and some of it's really, really bad. (laughs) It just depends. Yeah. What's interesting to me is that the question of when does an author's work no longer belong to that author? That that fascinates me because um, the same thing has happened to like Jane Austen, right? She wrote really popular novels in her time and, and they were very sarcastic and ironic and critical of her society. But now everyone who talks about Jane Austen or does a movie about her, about Pride and Prejudice. They're always focused on the love story. And there are all these books that sort of imagine Darcy and Elizabeth in random places doing other things like Detective Darcy and Elizabeth and, (laughs) you know, modern day Darcy and Elizabeth. So the same thing happened to old writers. But what what it's interesting to me that that happens while she's still alive and while she's still trying really hard to be relevant, they're sort of moving on without her. (laughs) In some ways, isn't that um, some kind of uh, uh, stealing? And that's the other question: is if you're taking someone's characters and world and all of that, are you are you plagiarizing? And and people disagree on the answer to that. And I don't I don't love the fan fiction, but I teach it because it's part of the phenomenon. And I'm teaching the phenomenon The You know, even Rowling, she set up um, Pottermore. So that's a huge thing. The films, the, I don't know if you guys have been to Harry Potter world in Florida, but it's pretty amazing. Wouldn't
0: teaching the fan fiction, because you're teaching the phenomenon, wouldn't that be like an automotive design teacher teaching auto theft as well? (laughs)
1: well i'm not teaching them how to write the fiction (laughs) so Uh so um and i save it for the very end of the semester so we read the books watch the movies and um and really get invested in what rowling is trying to say
2: you know what we can segue to a break There's an idea. Here it comes. Nora Roberts said, love and magic have a great deal in common. They enrich the soul, delight the heart, and they both take practice. And if you're like me, they both involve top hats and handcuffs. We'll explore more of the Potterverse when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Allie from Forest Park, Illinois. we're back with dr adrian ivy paula you wanted to follow up on something
0: yeah um adrian uh, earlier you mentioned that the author had confessed uh, that harry potter was a jesus figure um can you give us some examples of what makes that so because one thing i felt was that when jk rowling has talked more recently Sometimes she says things that seem like afterthoughts.
1: Right. Yeah. And in this case, I, it wasn't an afterthought. All these people criticized her and, and the books for being witchcraft and anti-Christian and all of that. And um, she never really said anything about it. And then once the seventh book came out, she said, yes, of course, Harry's a Christ figure, but I couldn't tell you that because then you'd know how it ended. So, um, So the Christian argument in it that selfless love is more powerful than death, right? You have um it's Christian allegory a lot like C.S. Lewis, the Narnia books. Mm-hmm. So there are biblical parallels and I could talk about that forever if you wanted, but there are some pretty obvious ones. First of all, Harry willfully dies. He comes back to life. When he comes back to life and they're having the big battle in, in Hogwarts, mm-hmm. his followers can't be killed none of the spells are hitting them because he has now protected them by dying for them.
0: What about one of the Weasley twins? That happened before Harry
1: sacrificed his life. And and Harry even says this to Voldemort at the end. He says, you're the weak one. Can't you see that because I sacrificed myself, no one, your spells aren't winning. You can't, you can't defeat us.
2: But I don't remember the part of the New Testament where where Jesus, after he comes back, marries a spunky redhead.
1: No, that that yeah, he doesn't marry a spunky redhead. But some people believe he had already married Mary Magdalene, but that's a whole other oh.
4: that's a whole other
1: thing.
0: <laughs> I'm so glad that I hadn't
1: thought of this aspect at all when I was reading the books. Well, and it's you know it's central if you if you notice it's there like Harry Potter you know one of the things that one of the mythologies that they use to talk about Jesus is he's the Potter and we are the clay so the name Harry Potter suggests that already and then um, he has this Garden of Gethsemane moment before he goes to sacrifice his life where he he's seeing the the dead come out of the Um, resurrection stone right and he's saying I don't want to do this I don't and and they convince him and say we're with you and that's very much like Jesus in the garden saying I I take this cup from me basically and I studied religion so
4: that's
2: why I I hear that but like Jesus I mean notably was you know a philosopher and a teacher and Harry doesn't really know shit no, right,
0: yeah. Yeah, no, Hermione he seems to be the only one who really knows anything. Boy, I'll tell you <laughs> something. This is really going to fuck up Vacation Bible School. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. So are there other themes that go th- through throughout?
1: Yeah, and, and that's why I think it's important to note that you don't have to read it as Christian allegory. She seems to have intended that, but she also uses the hero's journey, so— and and that is a mythological idea that that appears in stories from all kinds of places, and even um, even in like Star Wars, etc. The the mm-hmm. hero gets called, and then he um, rejects his calling, and then he ends up going on the adventure, and then he co- there's all these steps of the hero's journey that Harry takes. Um, I think the f- Phil- philosophical themes are significant too, and to me, just as significant, if not more so, than the Christian argument. So that's all part of these books. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess there's also similarities in that, um, you know, the church made tons of money and uh, the Harry Potter <laughs> series has made tons of money. <laughs> tons so of money. Yeah. Certainly similarities there. Um, I, are
1: they good books? I would argue that they are really
0: good. Or are they
2: books. I mean, the good book? The,
1: no. <laughs> I don't know if they're the good book. Um, so I when I started teaching the class, of course, I got criticism from people who consider it kind of lowbrow and that, that this is not what you should be teaching in college. And Ooh. I'm really fascinated by that idea of what makes something literary or worthy of study because um, I mentioned Jane Austen earlier, but You know, in her day, what she wrote was considered women's books. It was it was basically the soap opera of the day. And now Mm -hmm. she's considered classic literature. Yeah. So will these works be considered classic literature one day? I would argue that they they will because of the depth of the arguments she makes and the the varying kind of arguments she makes. I would think so, too. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like I do uh some amount of frustration that Harry doesn't just leave school each year a couple weeks before the last day but uh, just to
1: avoid the big fight?
0: Yeah, cuz that seems to be when and and as smart as all the characters are, uh I mean Harry's not an idiot, but he's he's not exactly insightful. Uh but Hermione's very very smart and Dumbledore's <laughs> very very smart and they never seem to put it together that it's it's really
1: just those last couple of days of school where things go south. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I don't think I ever got frustrated by that because Harry, as a character, sees himself as the one who has to save everybody. So he, even if he knew or thought about that, he wouldn't leave. Yeah, I guess he wouldn't.
0: You know, <laughs> I, I'm not all that well read, and I'm certainly not a historian. So every now and then there. Wait, isn't there some sort of philosophy word that was used in Harry Potter? I'm telling you, there was something that I read in Harry Potter that later I saw um, in either a history book or a philosophy book or something that made it, like, more meaningful than I thought of it when I was reading Harry Potter. Is that making any sense?
1: It is, and I don't know exactly which one you're talking about, but... I mean, this is partly why the books are so good is that she didn't she didn't skimp on any details, the names of everything, the um, places that they go, some of the history she includes, like Nicholas Flamel, who is actually a real person and was thought to have been an alchemist and discovered.
0: Oh, I I didn't know that. And all of that is
1: real, real lore. Oh, he's the guy who makes
0: the sorcerer's stone with Dumbledore, is he not?
1: Yes, he is and and that is he he is credited with doing that in real life. Oh, wow.
0: Well, I'd like to find that stone. Um I thought I thought that the death eaters were the clan.
1: And I think you're probably pretty right about that, yeah.
2: Oh, come on. Definitely- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess they are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're, they're the clan or, or the, uh, or Nazis, you know, I mean, it's really about separating people based on, um, race. Yeah. So, or on blood status. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Blood status.
1: Yeah. Mud, blood. And then, Absolutely. you know, they're little, they're even little things like Voldemort means flight from or theft from death. Voldemort. So that's the whole oh. point of Voldemort, right? He's trying to run away or steal from death. Um, Malfoy means bad faith.
0: Wow.
1: Severus Boy. means severe or stern. And she wrote this before there was Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She this
2: well, yeah. I guess <laughs> she might have had to go to a library or two. I would think.
0: Yeah, I. You know, I just sort of. I pictured this just sort of creative person with a, you know, with a napkin in a restaurant jotting down this idea about a little boy. I mean, it just never occurred to me that it had all of these, uh, you know, historical and philosophical and biblical. I, it never occurred to me that it had all of these
2: uh, uh, references. And she didn't invent mandrakes, did she? She pulled that from some Yeah, No, mandrakes are a folklore. plant and
1: they're poisonous.
2: Oh,
3: geez!
0: So I shouldn't have had mandrake salad last night. Did you have
2: mandrake salad, Paula? You're in trouble. You gotta not do that.
0: I felt bad all day too, Adrian.
1: um, uh, (laughs) Do you do you have a favorite uh, quote? My my most favorite probably is when Sirius Black tells Harry's um, talking about Dolores Umbridge. So Harry is so sure she's a Death Eater. And Sirius Black says to Harry, Harry, the world isn't divided into good people and death eaters. And to me, that's at the heart of this series, is that the world isn't divided into good people and death eaters. We, we, we have the capacity to do bad things, even when we're really good. And, and some bad people do good things occasionally, too. I mean, to me, that's central.
0: Huh. Yeah, yeah that is a great one. I'd forgotten that. That is great. And that, um, that
2: gives it all a little more moral complexity than a lot of those other franchised fantasies, like you made reference to Star Wars before. I always found that pretty uncomplex.
1: Yeah. And a lot of children's lit uh, and young adult lit, and I don't want, I'm not going to disparage any here, but there's some really popular stuff out that has had movies made of it that I don't think will become a classic. Because Hunger Games. Hunger Games.
2: <laughs> you're, you're trying not to say Hunger Games, aren't you? Maybe <laughs>
1: because
2: I, because while you're at it, try a- not to say Twilight too.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that that wasn't even in the running, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Hunger Games is trying. It's just not as complex, right?
2: That's absolutely yeah right. so, yeah. yeah. I, well, um, I got. Adrian, this has just been delightful. And now we're going to take all that learning that you've imparted to us, and we're going to run it through something we call the old pounce donator. Paula?
0: (laughs) House band Casey Bozell on the violin. Thank you for doing such a wonderful job, which I say in part because you're doing a wonderful job, and in part to ease the burden of asking you to do some more. If, if you could give me a little <laughs> background music, I'll tell you what the old pounce spit out. Dr. Adrian Ivy, thank you so much for bringing us just a fraction of your course on the Harry Potter series. I just thought they were young people's adventure books about a kid with magical powers. It turns out... Harry loves me, this I know... Because the seventh book tells me so Little ones to him belong They are weak, but he's withdrawn. Yes, Harry loves me Yes, Harry loves me Yes, Harry loves me But he couldn't have done a thing without Hermione Now that they're pointed out to me, I can see the biblical parallels me though, because what else have I missed? Was the red balloon about the spread of communism? Was Ferdinand the bull a way of avoiding depicting Mohammed? Was the hungry, hungry caterpillar about deforestation? Was the secret of the old clock a sexual reference in Nancy Drew and the secret of the old clock? Can't I just enjoy a nice story? <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> she's an associate professor of english at emory university's oxford college thank you so much dr adrian ivy everybody
0: yeah, thank you. that was adrian, fantastic this was wonderful thank you so much and thank you for having me i really enjoyed it oh i'm so glad
2: coming up what the hell are you listening to I don't know, but you seem to have some idea. Your show descriptions are coming up next. Thank you, Casey Bozell on the violin. Woof. Hey, Paula Poundstone.
0: As you know, uh, I on, don't do... Uh, hold on, just one minute, please, uh, Adam Thelma. Uh, <laughs> uh, hello? Um, uh, yes? I, I would I would like a word with Tony Anita Hull, if I could, Oh, it's please. Mrs.
2: Culpepper. How are you, Mrs. Uh, yes. Culpepper?
0: I, I'm fine, thank you. Uh, as good as can be expected under the circumstances. Uh, Tony... Anita Hull, uh, 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 (laughs) now, I know of a bookshop named Francie and Finch uh, in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and I am going to give dollars worth of advertising uh, to this uh, Francie and Finch bookshop in Lincoln, Nebraska, a wonderful store, if you can answer this question. Okay. (laughs) Are you? What is going on?
6: I am prepared. Uh, Tony Anita Hull,
0: what does Dola mean?
6: Can you spell it? D O L O R. Uh, Tony Anita Hull, it's one of the (laughs) vocabulary words in the song. (laughs) A state of great sorrow or distress. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because she just looked it up in the script.
3: Well, that's what the pause was.
2: Mrs. I, Culpepper did not say she couldn't look it up.
3: That is it true. didn't occur to me
0: that I had to tell uh, 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 someone not to cheat. Uh, well, that is a correct answer. Uh, 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 the next time I'll be a lot more clear that uh, one cannot cheat uh, to get the uh, You know, I'm surprised at you. Um, uh, anyways, therefore, I'm going oh, to give dollars of free advertising to the Franny and Finch Bookshop in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, and there it is, Francie and Finch Bookshop. And uh, Tony Anita Hall is correct
2: about the meaning of dolo. Well, well, Mrs. Culpepper, I want to thank you for coming by, hijacking our podcast and using it to advertise a bookstore. Uh, The Franny and Finch Bookshop in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yes, yes, we were familiar with that. Thank you, Mrs. Culpepper, and uh, thanks for coming by. And uh, make sure to say hello to the captain for us. Uh,
0: Well, uh, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, The captain uh, is
2: no longer with us. Oh, oh, is he joined to another podcast?
0: Uh, No, he would never. He uh, he passed a long time before podcasting began.
2: Oh, that's you know what I should have remembered that, Mrs. Culpepper. I I don't know why that detail doesn't stick out in my mind, but uh, my condolences again.
0: Uh, that's <laughs> my condolences right, again
2: about the, the captain and his uh, his mysterious death. I hope they find the killer at some point.
0: Well, there's, well there was no killer. Uh, uh the captain died of uh,
2: taro toxism. Oh, a poisoning by dairy products. He must have drank some bad milk.
0: Uh, no, it was a, 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 dairy, a cheese or dairy products a poisoning by cheese or dairy products.
2: Wow. Well, that's not a very dramatic death, but again, my condolences. That's uh, I think that's all we need to hear about it. And again, thank you, Mrs. Culpepper.
0: Uh, certainly. Uh, it was a particular kind of cheese. In well, fact. <laughs> kind of
2: cheese isn't important, is it really? I mean, let's, let's well, just leave that behind us.
0: It's, uh, uh, he's been left behind, but uh, he's still in my heart. It was the good of the God I'm out of Madam <laughs> <laughs> okay, you,
2: <laughs> Hey, uh, you know, uh, Paula, as long as Ms. Culpepper's talking about vocabulary songs and, and vocabulary yeah, words, there's one that if I had a vocabulary song, I would use, I would put in there. And that's ineffable. You know what ineffable means? It I means don't. A, a, it's something too great or extreme to be expressed or described in words. Oh. Now, I'm not saying that our podcast is ineffable, but we have had oh, just a dickens of a time um, describing it.
0: Oh, I've never been able to describe it well. Every time I do like uh, a- a- any kind of an interview, and they say, well, you have a podcast, Tony, I go, yes, it's called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. And it's me and my partner, Adam Felber, and then Bonnie Burns and Tony Anita Hull, and we... Uh, we always interview somebody and, um, yeah, you Yeah, that's know. terrible. Yeah.
2: But to yeah. compensate for your descriptive disability in this particular regard, we have had our uh, listeners chime in, send us show descriptions. And in fact, some of the very best of those are right now rotating through the front splash page of paulapoundstone.com. So that yes. that could be a fate that awaits your description out there. If you write us a really good one, and sure enough, Tony Nita Hall is here with a new round of show descriptions. Tony Anita Hall, yeah, here. And, but that would have been a that, Bonnie. I, nothing.
3: <laughs> I wait a minute. I thought you were going to do something, and Bonnie's I like were crocheting were something or about something. The coins.
2: What? Oh, I I will, but we have to get into the segment. Okay, do it again. Well, it's time to do show descriptions.
3: It's time for show descriptions.
4: Wow yes. descriptions?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, show descriptions. Wait. Show descriptions, open the night, what a sight. Whoa. Wait, give me another chance. Hold
2: no. On. It's time for, what? I feel like you've blown it. It's time for what? <laughs> Boy. Show descriptions. Oh,
3: it's, oh, show descriptions. Wait. Oh, show descriptions. Yes. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I've hit. Rock bottom with my theme songs, really? <laughs> yeah, no. You've been going towards the Earth's
0: core with your with your theme songs for
3: a while now. Um, okay. Well, once I heard John Lennon being interviewed by somebody, and they said, like, you know, what was the whole meaning in? imagine, like, was it this, that, they had all these cerebral things, and he went, no, I mean, it just, the words just came to me. So, I'll give it one more crack here. I'm going to let it just come to me. No crap, no nothing. Boy, one would never know Show descriptions. Hit the lights, Overture We've got show description, something nice. Show description, show description, show descriptions.
2: <laughs> wow. Well, I can see why you'd compare yourself to John Lennon there, uh, Bonnie. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> you, know, I, I, you, you know what that does do, that show description theme song? It makes the yeah. book club theme song when she when it was lose your leg, lose your leg, lose your leg, seem brilliant.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, because that was... By comparison. I think yeah. this
3: one, I'm kind of on my way up again. Oh, yeah? Oh yeah! I think this is a little bit of an improvement over the last couple. I noticed it's that you kinda kind of cribbed a little bit from the, the famous
2: old Saturday morning Bugs Bunny Roadrunner theme with your overture and curtains and stuff.
3: You think I've improved a little? No, that's not uh, what that's you not said. What I
2: said, but yes, you've improved quite a bit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take it. <laughs> okay, one more thing.
2: One more what? thing.
3: Could we please get rid of that fucking
2: book? No. Wait, you're reaching back into Act One to complain about our book club? No,
3: I just hate it. Overture! Here we go! Show descriptions, what do you want
2: to know? It's like inviting a vampire into your room. Except, except once he's bitten you, he sits around and complains about stuff. <laughs> he won't leave.
0: No. Okay. But I'm just that going to sleep last... on the couch
2: and tell you how much I hate the book you're reading.
0: That, that last bit of, uh, of uh, theme song that she did, she sounded like an older Shirley Temple. Uh Bonnie the 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 book club oh, segment sure. the, the book yeah. club segment is closed <laughs> and uh, we are reading Eat Pray Fuck. Yes. And if you allow yourself uh, if you I, I'll bet you here's I'm willing to bet that by the end of this book Bonnie Burns will be turned around and will be a fan. She will seek out Elizabeth Gilbert. Um uh, maybe even wanting to manage her.
2: Yeah, that could that could totally happen. Yeah, let's see if that, let's, no. Let's move ahead I'm not and hope taking, that, that happens.
3: I'm not reading one more word of that Yes, you are! Book.
2: No, I'm not. You've agreed Fine to with do the show. this. She's a this very disruptive it. influence. All right, we're moving, we're moving forward. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Let's get to this segment. Tony, step on up. You have something to tell us about Thomas Coin Coins, too, don't you? Wow. Uh,
6: Oh, I are we? I don't remember. Are we giving one to each one we
3: picked? Don't we have a new load of yes. them? Yes, and
2: we're going to. Yeah. We
6: are. Yes. We are. Okay.
3: Sorry, I couldn't yeah. remember. Tony wasn't remember. paying attention.
6: I was you were paying, paying attention. attention on the call.
3: No, you I were was googling. paying
6: attention. I wasn't googling. <laughs> I just couldn't remember. Clearly you would. You know, okay. You know what. <laughs>
2: Tony, credit the person who made us more Thomas coin coins. We'll say that we're awarding them and then we'll read show descriptions.
0: (laughs) Uh, Tony, Tony, who gave us the Thomas coin coins? A whole new supply of Thomas coin coins.
6: The Ostermans. That's correct. The Ostermans.
2: And they created a whole new load of, of beautiful wooden Thomas coin coins an homage to our search for the for the um, survivalist who didn't make it onto our show and has not been seen since. So that's great. And, uh, and our lucky listeners uh, who have submitted show descriptions are going to receive those. Are they not?
6: They are in the mail from me, hopefully not postage due.
2: Okay. No, great. Now, Tony, cheese. Tony, Kathy, now at, Kathy and Joe, 15 minute mark of this segment. Excellent. Kathy and Joe.
3: And now at want long to last, describe Tony, them at all? No, no, I want to get to the show description. They're beautiful.
6: I don't even know what's going on anymore.
3: She's mad. I think we made her mad. I made her mad. Captain Crinkle, you are out of control.
2: (laughs) Oh my God, Tony, read us some show descriptions. This is Uh, a a trainer. I don't.
3: She might be
0: on something. I'm telling you, there's something wrong with Captain Crinkle tonight. Uh, be, she, she's hallucinating and and she's shouting about uh, uh things that, uh, the book uh, club that t- meeting that was closed uh, uh, maybe three <laughs> hours ago now. <laughs> I, I'm afraid. That's, that's absolutely right, Miss so Culpepper. She might be in the early throes of a reaction to a cheese or a dairy product. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Try triotoxism. It's entirely possible. Um uh, but well while, while uh Bonnie slowly gets poisoned by havarti Uh Tony, why don't you read us some show descriptions?
6: Yes. Please. So the the first one is from, I hope I say this last name right. I looked it up. Chelsea Boulthouse. Yeah, that's and she, she wrote in it's like the first day of kindergarten where Paula, Bonnie, and Tony are the students, and Adam is the underpaid teacher who hasn't earned his teaching certificate yet.
0: Wow. Yeah. This is very accurate.
2: Yes, um, Chelsea yeah. Chelsea gets it.
0: Adam. Adam, my hand is up.
2: Yes, Paula. Can, Bonnie's bothering me. <laughs> Bonnie, stop <laughs> bothering Paula. Is she touching you, or is it just sort of the existential dread that she might say something that I feel?
0: She's in my bubble of space. She, she's in my bubble of space. She's making inappropriate noises.
2: That I like, hear, Bonnie. Stop it, or there'll be problems.
0: She's now she's class. Doing a lot of
2: inappropriate- Bonnie, <laughs> not going to say Adam. it again. Teacher Adam. Yes, Paula.
0: My hand is up again.
2: I see it, Paula. That's why I said yes, Paula.
0: Yes, Bonnie's bothering me again. She's making inappropriate noises.
2: Yes, I, I was just talking to her about that when you raised your hand. Bonnie, uh, stop you. making. She impro- did it again. I know, Paula. All right, Bonnie. <laughs> I am going to be. I am going to be sending you to Principal Lazebnik's office in no time. Um. I, now, if you all just it, sort of. Yes, Paula? Isn't it time for phonics? It's time for (laughs) phonics in a minute, but if you remember, we're in the middle of an oral report from Tony Anita Hull. We have to let her continue.
0: Why does Tony get to do it?
2: Because she does that! (laughs) 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 It's the part of the class where we're doing show
0: descriptions! God damn it! In preschool, (laughs) the teacher never yelled.
2: Well, you're not in preschool anymore. Spencer Hammond wrote. (laughs) Thank you, Tony.
6: (laughs) So so from Spencer Hammond, in a world of cats, catastrophes, and comedy, one man dares to stand against the storm. Well, I don't think that man
0: is Teacher Adam because he can't control Bonnie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he yells at us. My teacher Elizabeth in preschool never yelled. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well he didn't say that i i he says i stand against the storm not that i stopped the storm yeah and i i have to say spencer and chelsea thank you you guys kind of uh you guys get me
0: yeah they're really sympathetic to your plight
2: <laughs> that didn't sound sincere <laughs> 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 right. Well, I love those descriptions and and I'm sending out uh, Thomas Coin Coins of my own on those. Um all right Tony, g- give us another. These are fun.
6: Scott Manchester, Ronin, your weekly vaccination against insanity.
0: Hmm. Oh yeah. I think we I think we've shielded uh, ourselves from insanity skillfully. I mean, yeah.
2: Although any you- vaccination that you need on a weekly basis isn't much of a vaccine. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, but you know what? The insanity has variants.
2: Oh, that's right. That is right. Yeah.
0: These insanity variants develop, I would say, daily. So the efficacy of a weekly vaccination is pretty powerful.
2: Your point is well taken. I withdraw mine.
0: Yeah. I think we should just (laughs) change Bonnie's name entirely to Booster.
4: (laughs)
2: Oh, <laughs> oh. T- Tony, you you got it you got any other gifts in that bag for us?
6: Oh lots of gifts. This is from Keith Valencourt. The Mansons sans ambition and commitment.
4: Oh <laughs> wow
0: That's That savage. doesn't that doesn't sound so positive. Yeah that seems <laughs> no. now that seems a little negative to me.
2: Yeah. How do if you they, feel about it, Squeaky Burns?
3: Um, yeah, I think being compared to the Manson family might be a little negative.
2: Yeah. All right.
3: Yeah. I don't...
0: I'm not sure I'm, that Keith Valancourt is really understanding our work. Yeah. I mean, somebody who really understood us would perhaps go with a son of Sam reference, but not the man. Yes. (laughs) Or maybe, maybe
2: a Jeffrey Dahmer reference.
0: Yes. Who had to have been charming.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, let's leave on a palate cleanser. Tony, can you give us one more? Pick your favorite of the remaining.
6: Oh, goodness. Um, okay. Well, this is the most positive one of the ones that are left. So we have Emily Sakuma wrote the show that made me feel like I was the sane one during the pandemic years.
5: Oh,
4: I
0: love that. That is, that is uplifting that we made Emily feel that she was the sane one. Um, that's good. I want to do that. Uh, All of my life's uh, efforts and energies from here on in, um, and this, by the way, brings us back to, to our book, Eat, Pray, Love, uh, which is about a woman who, is, you know, sets out to well, eat and, and pray and love. Uh, yes. I really just want to make Emily feel
2: sane. Yes. And, and, and Emily, I also want to thank you for not adding two words and not saying sane one by comparison during the pandemic years. That would have been hurtful. That would have been hurtful, exactly. Thank you, Mrs. Culpepper. All right. uh, I couldn't help but notice. (laughs) It's very astute. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show descriptions. Yay! Show
3: descriptions, show descriptions. We've got show descriptions. Wow. (laughs) You know, you never hear...
0: You never hear of a popular band covering Bonnie's work.
4: No. <laughs> Why
2: is that? I think so many of them are influenced by her that there's no need to cover her. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, it really, she is.
0: She is. Uh, she has really cut a swath through the world of music.
2: She really has. <laughs> hey, Paula Poundstone, what is going on in the Poundstone Product Empire this week?
0: Adam. Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, as a small business, is the pride of the United States of America.
5: God bless America, my home sweet home.
0: We can barely keep our merchandise on the shelves. My remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirt with my self portrait on the left breast and the memorable quote on the back, which is available in baseball and classic styles, has become the rage. It's available at the store at paulapoundstone.com. Also available at the store is my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, both the paperback version and the audio version on CD, which was a top five contender for Audiobook of the Year. Get them at your local bookstore if you can, but if you can't, then go to the store at paulapoundstone.com. And if you go to the tour page at paulapoundstone.com, you can get tickets to my Newark, New Jersey show on Saturday, September 25th at the Victoria Theatre or my Chicago show on Saturday, October 2nd at the Athenaeum Theatre or my Madison, Wisconsin show on Friday, October 8th at the Capitol Theatre. There's so much more I could tell you, but Heidi...
2: And let me just add, now that, we're in, um, now that we're in September, that means that there are only two months left before the release of my new book, Confessions of a Puppet Master with Charles Band. Now, you need to get yourself over to Amazon or to Barnes & Noble or wherever you pre-order your books and pre-order that puppy right now, because I understand that my publisher is running out of paper. I mean, like, that's how the pre-sales are going. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of pre-sales. Subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. If there's a subject uh, or topic that you'd like to know more about, tell us over at, at gmail.com. And that, my good friends, is our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Adrian Ivey.
4: Yay! Yeah!
2: yeah. And thanks to our house band, returning violinist champion Casey Bozell.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Casey. Our
2: show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lazebnik, and Tony Niedeho. Star Burns production by Land Romo and Kyle McGraw. Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at TranscribeMe.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? I mean, this, what we're hearing now, this is music, Paula. And What's I can't name? say that this fine violin music is influenced by Bonnie Burns.
4: Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, heard, I heard theme songs. Um, who was the woman who used to play at Carnegie Hall... Um. Oh, they made a movie about her. Oh, my
2: memory
4: is just shocked. Um, Who are you? I'm Adam. Oh, I. <laughs> good, good, good to
0: good to talk to you and and. Uh, good to talk to you as well. What What do you do again?
2: I I co-host a podcast with you.
0: Huh? That must be fun. Uh. Florence something. Florence, something. Florence, something is this woman who used to sing at Carnegie Hall. Um, okay. And I think uh, Meryl Streep played her, but Meryl Streep, play- Meryl Streep is going to do that Bonnie Burns story. I mean, Meryl Streep. Oh plays no doubt. Every. Yeah. No yeah.
2: doubt about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm She's still a uh, fan
2: of Bonnie's. Bonnie's second album came out recently, and I love it. Oh yeah. It's really? called Theme Song. Or crime against humanity. (laughs) 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 My body
4: burns. (laughs) It's brilliant. It's brilliant.
2: Yeah, I think so.
0: She was actually able to rob a store one time by threatening um, to do a
2: theme song. (laughs) 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 Empty your register or I'll write you a jingle.
0: Yeah, that was exactly how it went.
3: (laughs) It was the Havarti that got me.
6: (laughs) A podcast network.
5: Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.